Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders recognized in their fields who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton. Welcome to this episode of Leadership Stars, and I am so excited with the guests we have today. But let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, none of us escapes life's big challenges, and we don't escape the loss, the grief, and the emotional wounds that are often left in their wake. However, when you see the lessons in these challenges, we can really experience more power, more joy, more purpose in our life. And it's like a phoenix rising from the ashes. So if you're overwhelmed or you feel held back from your ability to have what you desire, then you definitely want to want to listen deeply to what my special guest today has to say. So welcome, Michelle Petacolis. It's so good to have you here. Hi, Linda. Thank you for inviting me on your show. Well, it's great to have you back. Um, you're one, one of the few people who I've asked to come back. And wow. It, yeah, and, and it's really special for me to have you here. So, Michelle, would you sort of remind our audience uh, what your background is, how you, know, how you got to where you are today, what, what were the things that you went through to get you here? Sure, I'd be happy to. I'm an East Coaster from uh, in the beginning and went to... Rutgers University, there was a woman's college there called Douglas College. And, you know, it's still a women's only college. It's very, yeah, isn't that amazing? That is. Uh, They really resisted being totally incorporated into part of the larger uh, university. (laughs) And then I went on to Indiana University where I majored in sociology and got my PhD. And then I went off and taught uh, college up in Winona, Minnesota, Oh, I know Winona. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty place, or at least it was. I haven't been up there in a long time, but cold, very cold. Lots of <laughs> Yes, and lots of And after that, because I had to warm up, I went to Las Vegas, Nevada for a year. <laughs> very strange place. Very yes. Weird. Maybe that has calmed down. At that time, it was kind of like, uh, well, the height of that whole, well, I shouldn't say anything. You have to be politically correct and everything. But it was a very strange place with shootings out in the desert. Ooh, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the whole thing, the whole premise behind CSI. The original CSI was, you know, everything was happening in the desert. You know, they find these, anyways, uh, I, I agree. The desert is an interesting place to be. So, Winona, what, what was the college in Winona? I don't remember. Uh, well, there are actually three colleges in Winona. Can you believe this little tiny town? But I was at St. Mary's College. It was a Catholic college. Uh-huh. And I didn't quite fit in. <laughs> I I don't understand why. I don't either. But no. <laughs> Although a, a, lot, a lot of that community is very farm-oriented. Um, I know I, the reason I know Winona is because I went to school in Northfield uh, at at St. Olaf, another small town with two colleges in it. Isn't Um, that amazing? Yeah. They used to say the sun rose on St. Olaf and it's set on Carlton. And we we fully believe that. Yes. Uh, So where on the East Coast? I grew up in uh, New Jersey, in Metuchen, New Jersey, and spent a lot of time in New York City. And uh, transplanted to California, I guess, in 1997. 
Okay. So we've been over a little over 20 years now that I've been out here. Boy, yeah. time flies. I was say, yeah, boy, time flies when you're having fun, right? Yes. Um, so you have a PhD in sociology. I'm curious, what was your thesis, your um, doctoral well, thesis on? interestingly enough, it was reality transformation in gestalt therapy groups. <laughs> Interesting, because it doesn't exactly sound like sociology, but it was because at that time, sociology was really into, uh, well, phenomenology and the social creation of reality, that what, what we experience as reality is negotiated through interaction. And you can see that all the time in, in the media, how, mm-hmm. you know, in politics, how they are negotiating what the reality is. The world is dangerous. The world is safe. We, you know, we have global warming. We don't have global warming. And there's this negotiation about what the reality is. It's a war on our minds. Mm. Well, Michelle, I think that's, that's also true when you talk about business. Uh, you know, some people say, oh, 2008, it was horrible. My business was a mess. And other people saying, what recession? I have no idea. I had the best year of my life in 2008. So even within business, how you frame it yes. um, really sets you up for success or failure. Uh, I think that's that's very interesting. So your um, doc, did, I guess the question more is, did your doctoral dissertation lead you to where you are and what you're doing today. Well, it's all linked. Aren't, aren't they always linked? Yeah. So after I finished the doctoral thesis, uh, my life fell apart and I got involved in a spiritual group. And that's when I really saw the difference between realities because I was living in this spiritual community. Well, not all, not full time, but I would go back and forth between that reality of, of life being... Um, just part of our journey mm-hmm. and that there was this whole spiritual side that was more important than, you know, the everyday life. Mm-hmm. And uh, interesting to watch how a small subgroup maintains its beliefs within the larger community. Mm-hmm. And so did that take you then to the work you're doing in grief, loss and emotional wounds or were there other steps between the two? Well, there were steps, and that was the uh, that I would say that the spiritual work did a lot to heal me mm-hmm. and to reconnect me with my own inner brilliance and purpose. But then I also had to do some early childhood healing, and mm-hmm. I did a program called the Quadrinity Process, which works on mind, body, spirit, emotions. So I think those were the four elements. Mm-hmm. And then after I did that, that's when both my parents started to die. Ooh. And so here I had my, my I had gotten reconnected with my spiritual side and my heart had been opened and I had gone through this deep um, healing mm-hmm. and that actually enabled me to say goodbye and to forgive my parents. We always have to forgive our parents. They always make mistakes. Yes. <laughs> but it also opened up my me to my feelings and up until that time I had shut them down and was very aloof and and uh just really didn't allow them to come through and they came through like a tsunami Mm. and that was what propelled me into this whole field of grief and loss that was what that was what motivated me to make my film series 
Okay. What What's interesting, uh, Michelle, about mistakes, it's one of the things in working with leaders, especially if they're reluctant leaders and they go, oh, no, no, I don't, I don't want to do that, is that that's the whole thing that they're afraid of, is making mistakes and ruining people's lives. And yet, when we have our, our kids, um, again, you don't get a manual with your children. Uh, and you know, it's real easy to make a mistake, to be human with them. And we don't stop having children because we make mistakes, and yet we won't step into leadership because of that. I just find that very fascinating. It is interesting. Yeah. Now, is, if I remember correctly, your dad was in the military. Is that right? Originally. I mean, by the time I was four, he was out of the military, but he was in the military when I was bar- born. Okay. And so when I was born, I was born into a family where there were two other children and a very young mother, very immature mother. She wasn't able to bond with me. She, I was like not expected. I was like the straw. And so I bonded with my father. And for two years, it was heaven. And then he was transferred to Japan. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting because I don't think he was gone out of my life for that long, maybe a few months, but it was traumatizing for a two-year-old. Yeah, yeah, and that's what propel that. That's what colored so much of my life. And so when I really now talk about the whole journey, I go back to that early childhood because mm-hmm. that's where the seeds of it were. That's where I made the the decision not to feel my feelings. That's where I made the decision to put other people's needs ahead of my own. Mm, okay. So last week we we talked with uh, Joy Seldon about emotional intelligence. So how does that fit in with the work that you're doing around emotions and emotional wounds, grief, and loss? Well, it it fits really well. The way, the paradigm I have is these three elements, and that is body, brain, and brilliance, which is your spirit. So body is this instinctual part of us, that uh, survival response of fight, flee, freeze. And that is such a powerful mechanism in, uh, in, our, in our bodies, in our system. Mm-hmm. And then in our childhood, we, we make decisions like I did about being a pleasing people and not feeling. We make decisions due to, you know, some sort of traumatic experience, which maybe on the surface doesn't seem like a lot. I mean, goodness, my father didn't die. Right. Uh, And and he did come back. And he did come back. But by that time, I'd already made the decision. I I was, uh, made quick decisions, I guess. (laughs) And (laughs) uh, not very patient. So those, those decisions affect our way of handling our emotions. And so emotional intelligence is about how do we handle our emotions and, and how can we train ourselves to be more intelligent with our emotions. And uh, in emotional intelligence, they have a lot of different uh, ways of helping people to become aware. And I do the same thing with my clients. I point out when they are falling into that pattern. But the a pattern that is self-destructive or not supportive of them. But the other thing I teach them is how to release their emotions when they come up so that they they can release them quickly and they don't control the the response. So if you get angry or you get hurt, how do you deal with that so that you don't lash out? You take uh-huh. the moment to feel the feelings. So is there... Um 
a breath model or, or something on those lines that you could teach our audience here? Sure. Sure, absolutely. And it is a breath model because it turns out that when you do deep breathing, you stimulate the vagus nerve in the body, which uh, triggers the, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the nervous system that calms the body down. Mm, okay. So there's a physiological uh, explanation for why it works. Deep breathing is not just, you know, some woo-woo concept from, from uh, Buddhists. It actually works. And that's really amazing that, you know, we actually have stuff that we do that that we do unconsciously um, or with some conscious control of like how deep is that breathing and how long do I hold it and how how do I let it go? Do I do it with my mouth open? Do, it, is it, do I do it with it closed? Do I make a sound? Do I, am I do it quietly? So there's, there's all sorts of stuff that gets wrapped into breath work, right? Yes, yes, there is. And I don't think that there's any one right way. What's the right way is what works for you in this moment. Mm-hmm. But slow breathing is the key. And and focusing in on your sensations rather than on your thoughts. Okay, say more about that, sensations. So when I talk about sensations, I'm talking about the what it feels like inside your body. Many people will run away from their feelings because they're afraid they're going to be absorbed or consumed or overwhelmed by them. But when I work with my clients and ask them to just check in, breathe, what are you feeling? And starting from the top of the head and going all the way down to the feet, where are you feeling the compression? Where are you feeling the tightness? Where are you feeling the pain? They realize pretty soon, one, they're not going to die from it. Two, it's not really that acute. Mm-hmm. It just hurts, but just pay attention to it. And when you pay attention to the sensation, oh, it's feeling tight. It's feeling clenchy. Oh, now it's moving. Oh, it's moving out of my chest. It's moving down into my belly. And you just focus on that and eventually it dissipates. It usually dissipates in two minutes or less. Wow. That's that's impressive. Um, so, is this what you mean when you when you talk about trapped emotions? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so what causes us to have those? What causes us to have them is that we don't release them. <laughs> well, that we makes, don't when that they happen, sense. we ta- tamp them down and they literally get stuck in the cells of our body and they exist somewhere. And there's a whole field of study called um whoops, I'm I'm blanking right now. Um uh, it's it's oh my god why am I thinking why am I not thinking of this but anyway it's about interpreting the body psychosomatics that's it oh uh, yes yeah and it, it depending on where you have discomfort in your body there are interpretations about what that means for you like mm-hmm. if you're having trouble with your teeth well teeth are uh, part of your development uh, as a child and starting to wean yourself off of your mother and how is it about nurturing and how is it about allowing your voice to come out or are you clenching your teeth and a lot of it is very common sense if you think about the function of that area of your physiology mm-hmm. wow that's pretty impressive um I wanted to go someplace with that, and well, I got I got so wrapped up in what you were saying. I don't want, I don't know where I want to go with this. Well, um, do you want me to say a little bit more, sh- and then it'll come back? Absolutely. We're we're having this se- session of of our, our 
my mind is is just it's escaping. So please, yes. Go so while you do that, wiggle your toes because that helps to get you back in your body and out of uh, <laughs> that upper part. Uh, so I told you about. Um, Sensation. So skin. Yes. Skin is another example. Skin is one of the largest organisms or, or um, organs. systems, organs of elimination. Mm-hmm. But it's also the way in which we contact uh, the world. We connect with the world. So for having irritation on our skin, it's like somebody is irritating us, or you know, they're, we we're not taking care of ourselves. We're not eliminating stuff that we need to do. So being aware of that, and then where in your body, there are different. There's this whole chakra system of, of you know, the heart being part of being nurtured and loved and opening your heart, and then there's uh, the sacral area, which is about creativity, and so stuff around there might be are you, are you releasing your creativity if you having. I oftentimes my clients will have trouble in their throat because they're mm-hmm. not speaking their truth or in their chest because they're hurting. You know, they haven't released the emotional wound. Or maybe they have back issues because they haven't had enough pats on the back when they were children. Oh, uh, and Michelle, just real, real quickly, um, the, they've added uh, three shop, three new chakras going up and one chakra going down. How is in Two minutes or less, how is that affecting um, people and their emotions? Uh, they've added new chakras besides the seven? Okay, yes. so uh, I'm there sorry. There are now 12. There are now oh, my 12 gosh. Okay, yes. so I, I, I'm, I have to look at that. I don't know. I've, you know, seven is plenty. In fact, <laughs> really, if you give people more than three points, it's usually too much. Um, absolutely. And I, and I don't know that all, all 12 get activated by you or this kind of thing. But um, yeah, they have said that with the new energy and the new um, age that's coming through, that there are new chakras to be dealt with, which takes us further out into the universe and deeper, oh, deeper into the earth. Because there's one that's actually on, you know, on the earth as opposed to just your first chakra, which is your root chakra. Right. Um, this actually connects you with the ground. And so right. on. On that note, um, yes. audience, I want you to think about your own emotions and have you been stuffing them and where in your body do you notice that compression and that sense of tightness and we'll be right back. Voice America Women's Channel a leader in the forward movement of women's success. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. That's Linda at dare, the number two, dreamwithlinda.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. 
plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America Women's Channel a leader in the forward movement of women's success. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. And I have my guest, Dr. Michelle Petacolis. And what I love about Michelle is the fact that she works with my, my tribe, my troop, uh, women leaders and change makers to help them face their fears in order to really reclaim their authentic power. And Michelle, welcome back. It's Thank It's been you. a real rich discussion so far. And while we were on the break, we talked a little bit, I remembered what I wanted to ask you, which was around, especially strong women, um, military, corporate, real strong entrepreneurs, political women, um, those that have stepped into perhaps a masculine world, um, and they're really afraid of showing those emotions and being perceived as, oh, she always cries or she's over-emotional or whatever it might be. So how do you, why, one, why is that bad? And then two, how do you work with that? Thank you. Great questions. So why is that bad? Well, it's bad in our culture because we have this culture that is, uh, emotionally phobic that people will get out of control and everybody wants to 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 keep everything safe and controlled as long as the emotions are negative i mean if the emotions are fear they we actually uh, the culture plays on that because mm-hmm. that gets people to buy or do things but the emotions of sadness you may recall that after uh, 9-11, we were literally told to stop grieving and go back to buying. Yeah. So grieving, has, it, it does stop things. It, it stops our momentum forward and takes us, puts us right in the moment. If we were taught how to deal with our emotions, it wouldn't knock us out so badly. Mm-hmm. But we instead, we are taught to tamp them down, and so they get stuck in the cells of the body. And the worst thing is that they are hanging out like stealth bombs, ready to explode. And they're there, and so then the trigger that reminds us of that early childhood wound is going to set us off like a huge uh, nuclear explosion, because mm-hmm. it's not about this situation, but it's linked to all that earlier stuff. Because in our minds, in that whole um, 
limbic system, the, the emotions, they're all connected through memory. Mm-hmm. And they all come up at once. So when you get angry at your husband because he criticizes you, it's really, you know, your mother that was criticizing you or your dad. It, 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 and you react way greater than was required for the situation. It's like you're ready to kill him, but it isn't really him. It's that wound, that early wound that you've never healed. Well, and um, I think one of the challenges, too, is that we're afraid of, you're right, we're afraid of being criticized. But you, we also talked about the fact that men have the same challenge because they're taught to be stoic and warrior-like and, you know, never, never, never show your emotions, never show your weaknesses to your um, competition or whatever it might be. And so we, we put that same um, sense of being stoic and being a, a, a warrior and all that on the women as well if we step into that position. You know, we have women now who are on the front lines in the military who you know, have that almost coldness um, and that, that sense of, you know, I, I need to be fully focused on what I'm doing and I can't let my emotions manage me or run me. Um, in politics, the, sort of the same thing. If a woman cries, you know, she's weak and she couldn't possibly understand all the, all the powerful things that she needs to do. And yet I find it very... Um, appealing to know that there's a full dimension and I think I, I told you the last time we were together um, my business partner years ago uh, developed cancer and in six weeks from diagnosis to, to when he died he never was emotional about it I listened to him talk to his son about his cancer and the fact that he was you know close to death and I swore he was talking to somebody who was at least 60 miles away because he, there was no emotion in his voice. There was no emotion on his face. He just told it like he was reading a newspaper article. And I, I, one, I think it's criminal and sad. And in some respects, I think his cancer was because he never yes. let any of that out. Yes. So how, how do you work with your clients to help them to um, have honest emotions, real emotions, and not, how do I say, go overboard? Uh, be in excess? Right. Well, I was explaining a little bit of that um, in our uh, private talk, right. which is is helping them to discover that their emotions aren't going to kill them. Mm-hmm. And that if they actually focus on the sensation, that is the physical sense, sensory experience rather than on their thoughts, that emotional energy will release in two minutes or less. Mm -hmm. And once they realize that, once they actually get talked into saying, what is this sensation that I'm so afraid of? They realize it's not going to kill them. It's not, they're not going to die. It's not going to go on forever. That when I allow somebody to, to cry, they rarely cry for more than two minutes. Rarely. Mm -hmm. Usually it's about 30 seconds. I actually worked with a woman who was grieving the loss of her husband for 20 years. Oh. And, and every time she saw her son, he, his appearance would make her cry because he reminded her of her husband. And we worked together. And once she got permission to cry, it's like, oh, my gosh, suddenly she had control because she, you know, it's like, oh, I, oh, my gosh, I can, you mean I can cry? And once she had that permission, it's like she released that energy and then it wasn't always waiting to erupt. Mm -hmm. So 
Michelle, how does all of this um, work with emotions fit into our topic for the month, which is stress and overwhelm? Um, I, I would imagine that with having stuffed all that emotion down, that you know any kind of situation can trigger um, an emotion that you're you're that may not be appropriate or whatever it might be. But how? Tell me how that all links together. Well. <laughs> The reason why we get so stressed and overwhelmed is we're avoiding our feelings. Mm. And one of the ways to avoid feelings is to stay busy. And if you're busy all the time, then you're not in your body. You're in your mind. Mm-hmm. And it is, you talk to people who are in grief and loss, they, one, of the, one of the techniques is to stay busy all the time. Mm-hmm. And we are actually afraid as a culture of downtime, of actually sitting and just being just being with ourselves. We're terrified. It's like, oh my gosh, sit with my mind? What will come through? And we have no, we don't have any practice in controlling our thoughts either, which that takes practice, controlling Mm -hmm. our thoughts. So in in some respects, meditation and and those kinds of practices uh, would be helpful in being able to to deal with this? Absolutely. And that could be your downtime. No. Yes. Yes. Yes, it it could be your downtime. In, in fact, I the number one uh, tip that I would give to the listeners out there is to start a practice of meditation, of learning to quiet the mind, of learning to stop the thoughts. When you have that practice down, you have so much power, because our emotions they're they're we're we're living in these animal bodies, and and they get scared and they get upset. And if we can, if we can connect with that higher mind, with that that source that we all come from, through meditation, we calm the body. Yeah, I, th- I think that's so very important. Um, it's also, for me, probably one of the most difficult things that I do on a daily basis is to actually get my monkey mind to stop chattering. Yes. So that I can meditate, so that I can quiet the mind and quiet the body. Um, and that kind of thing. And then there, there's always the, the old saw about, you know, I stay busy because I don't necessarily want to be with me alone. Right. <laughs> yes. Because there are all those early childhood wounds and all that, all that chatter, a lot of it could be negative. So learning and mastering meditation is so very valuable. What I help with my clients with, though, is using a meditative type of journey that takes them into their body. And so it gives them something to focus on, which is sensation, as opposed to just trying to not think, which mm-hmm. I think is very difficult to do, not think. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I find it can be very challenging um, to quiet it for any length of time. Um, it keeps, as you, as you know, it keeps popping back, and there's always something else to think about. Usually, usually, what do I have to do today? And I'm, I am one of those people who stays extremely busy, and my own self care is something that I struggle with. Um, you know, just having a moment to, you know, sit in a hot bath, or even just to take a walk. Yes. Um, it, it almost, it has to be purposeful in some respects. You know, I, I have to. I have, you'll love this. I have to schedule it um, or it doesn't happen. Yes. Yeah. And I'm glad that you are scheduling it because uh, we do need to schedule that downtime. Mm-hmm. 
And yes, I understand that it that it's a challenge to do that because uh, because the mind will come in and and we're afraid of it. But if you actually spend time focusing on sensations and you make that as part of your daily routine, mm-hmm. you'll actually get better at it, and it yeah. won't be so hard. Yeah, um, and I I guess for, uh, my question I guess around the men and their their challenge with emotions uh, would would revolve around, so are they working with childhood wounds um, and and things that were said to them as children that bring up that block that says, no, I can't show my emotions, that's not, that's what, that's not what a man does? Absolutely. It's culture. So, so of course, the third, the the fourth and and the special bonus secret is community. Community has a huge impact on how we uh, experience the world and what how we're taught to deal with emotions and challenges and emotional triggers. And men, uh, as very young boys, are taught that it is not safe to share their emotions. They're called crybabies. Mm-hmm. That it's time to be a man, and they are humiliated. Mm-hmm. And and they they have that experience in school. Oh, you're a crybaby. It's devastating. So they learn very quickly how they can appear strong because mm-hmm. that's what's valued. That's the that's the, our social currency for men is to be strong. And now it's confusing because as you get into this new age world, we also want our men to have feelings. Right, and we want them to. Um, uh, embrace their feminine side yes which, which has that emotion you know it's it's relationship it's creativity it's uh, connectivity and and collaboration and all that which is not the masculine side right. uh, and and you're asking them to do this and they're going i mean the conflict has got to be tremendous yes uh, in their in their bodies in their minds and obviously in their emotions so you talked about humiliation that the Young boys are humiliated if they cry or they show any kind of weakness um, on the playground or in team sports or whatever it might be. You know, it's buck up, be a man. Yes. I've heard that so much. But women sort of have that same sense of humiliation if they appear to be too emotional. Especially if they're trying to make it in a man's world. Mm Mm-hmm. If they are just homemakers like they were in the past, right. uh, that that was fine. You were supposed to be emotional you, as long as you weren't too out of control emotional because mm-hmm. then, then the, you needed pills or something to <laughs> to, to – and it's so sad because, it, it, you know, just hanging out with somebody who really knows – how emotions work can, can release a lot of that really quickly. You don't have to – you don't have to hold on to that. It isn't as big a problem as we make it out to be. Mm-hmm. And we don't need pills to do that. Now, Michelle, I know that you and Jim Chong and several other individuals have put together um, a pretty phenomenal uh, anthology. Would you tell our audience uh, a bit about it and then how they might be able to access it? Because I know you're on a bestseller campaign right now. And we yes, support we you. are. And it, it's called Breaking Barriers, and it's really about the decision that changes us from ordinary to extraordinary. It's a decision that's usually motivated by some life challenge. So that's, that how, is how it all comes together. We often don't change when life is just ho-hum. We change 
when we're smacked up against the wall and we have no choice, when life is so horrible that we have to make the leap. And so the book is full of stories about people who have been up against the wall and how they've made a choice for the better. And you can. You don't have to go down into the pit and stay there for the rest of your life. And then when we learn to embrace our challenges and see what they're trying to teach us, uh, that's where growth happens. That's where evolution happens. Mm-hmm. And so how can our how audience... How can they get it? Yeah, so how we, can they connect with that? Right. So I wish I had a quick link, but it, look up on Amazon, Breaking Barriers, the book Breaking Barriers. And right now, and maybe only for today, maybe tomorrow, it's on sale for a dollar. Now, it's only going to go up to like three ninety eight after that. But still, a dollar is a dollar, right? Absolutely. And we would love you to just jump on there and order the book because uh, you, I think you will find it amazing. And particularly my chapter, because I provide three keys for handling grief and loss ah. and specific exercises and tools that you can use and and some of the the uh, psychobiology behind it okay so audience um, when you have a moment um, hop on over to Amazon and please do um, click on breaking barriers and really help this book become the international bestseller that it's destined to be um, and Michelle could you share with us just one quick key from the book well it's obvious that's allowing feelings you want to (laughs) allow your feelings to flow out not hold them down not tamp them in because they don't go away they stay there they hang out I had another client who she came to me and she was in her late 80s and she had never grieved the loss of her husband 60 years ago and and it affected all of our relationships. And they don't under, you don't understand that if you don't deal with this stuff, it will impact your behavior. It will affect how you treat your family and your, your other relationships. When we tamp down our feelings, we tamp down the good ones as well as the bad ones. Uh, so, audience, in this quick break, think about those individuals perhaps that you've lost that you never grieved appropriately with and where you've tamped your emotions down and to what degree is that handling not only your grief but also your joy and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business? Are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur? Let leadership expert Linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team, build your influence, and create the thriving business of your dreams. Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas. That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at DareToLeadWithLinda.com. 
That's Linda at Dare, the number two, leadwithlinda.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Women. Your passion starts here. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. And I am here with a woman who has appeared on so many different radio shows. Um, She's spoken in places like the Commonwealth Club of San Francisco, UCSF Medical Center, JFK University, UC Berkeley, and she has an award-winning documentary series called The Secrets of Life and Death which has been screened in universities throughout the United States, Canada, and Australia. So, Michelle Petacolis, welcome back. Thank you, Linda. Um, and so, well, we were talking a little bit about, uh, you know, having broken through um, some of, you know, you've worked, worked on your wounds. We talked a little bit about wounding um, and how, as, as a child, this really sets you up for how you deal with your emotions, what you do with them, how, whether you tamp them down, whatever. Um but, okay, I've found that as I've become more aware, as I've um, learned more about my wounding, my, my family background, that kind of thing, that each time I become, I, don't, I guess, more enlightened, more knowledgeable, I find that, that my grandmother, who happens to be my, my largest critic, comes back, but she comes back in a different way. So what does that mean, that... As you succeed, continue to succeed and continue to become more enlightened, that there are new ways that these things come up for you, and how do we deal with that? 
Well, yes, it's a work in progress. In fact, that's what our life is about. I first want to assure our, our listeners that having childhood wounds is goes with the territory of being alive. None of us really escape it. There are, there, it's so easy when we are these vulnerable little children to be scared. Mm-hmm. And so at the bottom of it is, is fear. It's that fight, flee, freeze response. We feel threatened. We feel like our survival is threatened. And you say, well, I don't understand. I mean, our survival isn't really threatened. When you remember that we are social animals and that we actually depend upon our parents to survive, then it makes sense. Mm -hmm. That if we don't have that close bonding, if we don't feel nourished and nurtured, it does threaten our survival. I mean, that's that's a whole different set of wounds, right? Uh, yes, there, there are. They have done studies and shown that when children are not touched, when they're not nurtured, they do not thrive. They can actually die. Mm-hmm. Which is why you have the kangaroo, um, uh, kangaroo process in um, NICUs, um, neonatal intensive care units, where you literally put the baby up against your skin because these these babies are not held. Um, you know, they're all, they've got all sorts of wires and cords and, you know, that kind of thing. And yes. so w- there's, there's actually a process in hospitals to make sure that those children are held so that they don't not thrive and die. Um, right. I, think that, I agree. I think that's very, very important. So keep going. <laughs> right. So, so where were we going with this? Uh, um, Oh, yes. That each, levels of success. So there are always these levels that, that we have to break through mm-hmm. because we get to a certain point where we're now comfortable and everything's fine and hunky-dory and then brilliance, uh, that inner wisdom, that, that part of ourselves that's connected to source always wants to up the ante. Because mm-hmm. we have a mission here. And when we have to go to that next level, all the fear comes back up again. Now, as we get, as we develop, we get more skilled at managing the emotional triggers. And we get skilled at uh, cultivating positive mindset. Mm-hmm. So that we don't uh, devastate ourselves with thoughts like, well, you're not good enough. Or uh, you can't do this. Or who do you think you are? So it's all about mastery, and mm-hmm. mastery is an ongoing journey. My guess is that once you've mastered it all, you don't need to be here anymore. Absolutely. So going along with that, um, how then do emotions themselves impact our ability to have what we desire, to have the success that we're looking for, to in- keep increasing that level of success so we can keep working on um, our our wounds and, and that kind of thing. So how, how does it affect us? Well, we want to remember that emotions are part of the body mm-hmm. and they are part of our sensory awareness and they are valuable. They give us valuable information about what's going on around us. Once you get that, you stop trying to tamp them down. Mm-hmm. When you tamp them down, they go into the body and then they, you know, act like these stealth bombers that, that explode on you when you least expect it. So mm-hmm. becoming... Emotionally intelligent is a good thing where you learn when you need to release those emotions. Maybe you need to go off by yourself and have a tantrum and just, you know, pound some pillows or whatever (laughs) because you need to let that energy out because the fact is emotions actually have a chemical component. There are a whole bunch of chemistry gets released in our body to prepare us for fight, flee, or freeze. Mm -hmm. 
eyes dilate, the heart beats faster, all the blood goes to the extremities. And if you don't release that energy, it actually lowers your immune system. Okay, so um, I, I think this was one of the things that, that um, really distressed me when my dad died. Uh, we went to Hawaii. My, my girls and I went to Hawaii. We'd planned that before his death. And I had actually brought a, a book by Sybil Brown um, on, it was a step-by-step sort of grieving process that, so you could write, you know, journal and, and do exercises and this kind of thing, which is something that, that I needed and wanted. And it was very interesting that they, you know, I'd go up, I'd say, I'm going off, I'm, I'm going to do some reading and some journaling and, and that kind of thing. And, the, and the, my kids as, as loved me in such a way that they didn't want me to grieve. They didn't, mm. you know, as, as, for them, that was like, mom, mom doesn't do this. I mean, yes, mom has emotions, but ooh, this is bigger than, and they wanted to take the pain away. Mm. So, so we would, we would, you know, we'd go off in a helicopter, we'd go take a drive or whatever. And I realized over the years, that not ever having properly grieved for my dad um, has has carried that burden along. I mean, subs- recently, um, I've I have had a chance to have closure about that and whatever about mo- my mom and dad. Um, but it was it was an interesting process that they would not they would not allow it, quote unquote. And to, in some degree, I didn't want to upset them by saying, no, I need to do this. Go, go play someplace else. Um, so it's, it's interesting also how we deal with folks who want to take us out of the process. Very good point. And yes, we generally as a culture, we do try and do that because it makes us uncomfortable. But think about your children. How old were your children? Um, it was, they, they were in high school. Mm-hmm. Late high school, maybe, I know Jen hadn't gone off to college yet, but it was um, like 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were they were old enough. Uh, old enough and yet still yeah. dependent upon you. I mean, yes. children are dependent on their parents for a long time, It's yeah. and, and that's still a real critical time in their lives. Mm-hmm. And they are aware and they are afraid of losing you. And when mm-hmm. you are in grief, you're not you're not there, you're not available to them. Right. Yeah. And, and so they're, and also they've lost their granddad and they've been exposed to that whole thing of loss. So they're also on their own level are experiencing that discomfort of loss, which Mm -hmm. triggers the survival response. So of course they were wanting to hold you because you're their anchor. Mm, Okay. However, you want to teach them the, how to create, how to grieve. Right. And, of course, nobody, I mean, now there are books about grief, but the, we want to teach our children how to grieve. And so when we allow ourselves to grieve, we show them how to grieve, too. And, I, Michelle, I think that's some of the wonders of several of the religions. I mean, in the Jewish religion, um, you sit with your grief and people surround you. Uh, in that grief. And I think that's just a really powerful, and I think it's called Shiva. Is mm-hmm. it Shiva? Yes. Shiva. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just a really powerful thing in that culture that allows you to fully experience your grief and to move through it. Whereas other, other, loca- you know, other practices don't necessarily 
um, have that ritual uh, surrounding grief. So here's a little interesting uh, uh, zoological note. Elephants grieve also. Oh, yeah. And and when a baby has lost its mother or the mother has lost a baby, the, the herd will will stand around and wait for her. But then at a certain point, they'll let her grieve and touch the ba- the dead baby and and do whatever she needs but then at a certain point they will move her back into the into mm-hmm. the tribe because what happens I, I mentioned that we were social animals is that we actually bond with with people and that is a physiological connection mm-hmm. and when that's broken we are put into that fight flee freeze response sure. because because that person who is significant to us has been taken away so the the idea of a community coming and embracing you and holding you helps to to reassure you that that you are still held that community is still here for you and it actually triggers the, the uh, creation or um, release of oxytocin in your body, which helps you, your body feel better. Right. So, Michelle, you have a free gift for our audience. Would you like to share that with them? Yes, I do. I have a my the Stress Release Body Scan Audio, which will, it's a 13-minute guided journey into the body to identify where it is that you may be holding emotions Mm -hmm. and talks you through releasing them. So it's a really good practice to have every day so that you develop that emotional intelligence. You develop that capacity to be aware of your body, be aware of the sensations, get to know the language of your body and release emotions that are upsetting you so that you can move forward and, um, Back into the world. (laughs) And that sounds absolutely amazing. So, audience, please take advantage of that and go to uh, the free gifts on my website and click on that. And Michelle's gifts will be there for your taking. So, Michelle, as we begin to wrap up, uh, one of the things I'd like to ask you, you've given us, you know, several really great tips on how to deal with emotions, how to deal with grief and loss, uh, how to get unstuck in your body around your emotions but what's the number one tip that you can share with us to stop playing small and to really step into our power I mean I've got powerful leaders out there Um, I've got wonderful women who are also not sure they want to be leaders but have a calling and how can they start playing bigger and really step into that leadership power uh, remember your favorite things. There's a an old song from one of those musicals. I can th- guess it was Sound of Music about remember. These are the, a few of my favorite things. Remember what it is that you love and have gratitude. This so uplifts the body and helps us to get into that higher mind and that higher state. And that's what we really want. Ultimately, when you think about all the tips I've given, when you do the breathing, you're connecting with source. You're connecting with that higher power. When you think about positive things, you're not thinking about negative things. And when you're in that state of gratitude, when you're thinking about things that you love to do, you are connecting to the divine within you. And that's the key. That is the biggest key to moving forward in your life. If you don't focus on that, the rest of the stuff is less, Is you're going to just fall back. You need to have that brilliance. Your brilliance 
being the commander in chief, giving you the guidance of where you need to go next, what you need to do now. Thank you so much, Michelle, for all these wonderful words of wisdom, and thank you for being on the show. Um, I did want to comment on Commander-in-Chief because my commander definitely um, feels that uh, with all of this. I love having a gratitude journal, but also being in reverence to those people who have touched my life and have really made change in my life, my path, and what I'm doing. So again, thank you so very much, Michelle, for being here. And audience, if you'd like to connect with me a little bit more about change makers or herding cats, do send me an email at Linda at Dare, the number two lead with Linda.com. And until next week, do remember to be courageous and dare to lead. We'll see you then. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Stars. Please join Linda Patton for another engaging edition of our program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll feature another noted leader next week.